What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Circling the Bases. My name is Chris Crawford. I'm joined today, as kind of always, with my by my buddies Drew Silva and DJ Short. Fellas, how are we doing today? Doing all right. Hanging in there. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll, I'll wait until we make our... Well, no, let's just do it now. Drew, do we owe everyone an apology for the Notre Dame cleansing thing? Because we were pretty negative, and uh, <laughs> it turned out to be quite the butt kicking for the guys that we were rooting for. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, no, we don't know them. In the <laughs> no, I, I, I was impressed, man. Uh, the, yeah. the Irish have been playing better and better, yeah. which is what you want to see. I, I wish they would have avoided who did they lose too early on? Was it Marshall? Marshall and yeah. Stanford, man. That's just, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's, but that's college football right now. There's so much parody except for those yeah. big four teams, but yeah, yeah that's, uh, that we did. I had to address that. I am wearing for those of you watching on Twitch my Notre Dame stuff. I have been quite proud, and I will continue to do so until they get their butt kicked by USC. Uh, coming up on this show, we are going to do a whole bunch of stuff. We are going to recap the World Series very quickly. Then we're going to start shifting into off-season mode. We're going to be talking about uh, a big free agent signing that has already happened. Looking at some teams that we could be making some big moves, some potential trade candidates. And then as well, we're going to be doing. Recapping a 30-person draft, basically 10 rounds between the three of us. Uh, that's going to be really fun and a fun look into the 2023 season. Uh, but before we get started, download the Roto World app right now if you haven't done so to receive breaking news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right now to your phone. It is available in your app store today. So let's talk about that World Series because... It ended a few days ago, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it, and we like to talk about stuff. Astros win uh, in six, as we all predicted before the start of the season. We did. And then we kind of, uh, yeah, we'll pretend that that middle thing, uh, that was the uh, the swamp season in community. That is that we, we, we don't remember anything about <laughs> what happened afterwards. Although Drew and I did pick the Astros to win in seven, so we were just a game off. Um mm-hmm. DJ, you just you your Phillies love shined through, and you had to you had to make that switch. I can't I can't blame you. It's just one of those things that uh, no, but it was I thought uh, one of the most impressive postseason uh, teams that I've seen in this Houston Astros, and it goes along with a team that won a bunch of regular season games. Um, one of the most impressive 
uh, World Series runs, I think. The Philadelphia run is also extremely impressive and goes to show you that you can be a team that is built to do better in the postseason than I think in the regular season. Um, Start with you, DJ. Just your quick thoughts on the overall on that World Series. Well, I think the best team won. So, you know, anybody that would be complaining about the format of the postseason, like the Phillies just snuck in with the final wild card, and then we'd be hearing all these takeaways about how flawed the postseason is. Sure. You know, the best team won, even if a lot of people don't like that team. Um, From top to bottom, I think, you know, the Dodgers were a very, uh, I mean, historic win total. Very good team as well. A team that I think was built for postseason success, too. It just didn't happen, but that's just what happens with small sample sizes. But, yeah, I mean, the Astros are a great team. Um, Sure. And that's how it played out. I I was – when I said Phillies in six or seven, whatever I said last week, that was like – that was like my pessimism, like coming through <laughs> as, as a Mets fan. It was just all the doom and gloom. But now I can say the Phillies blew it. Yeah, hey, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they. I mean, they kind of did. They had a two-one lead, and it really looked like. And this is, I think, further proof, by the way, that momentum is nonsense because all momentum is is the next day's starting pitcher. And Christian Javier was excellent in Game Four. Uh, yeah. Drew, your thoughts on the series? I mean, the Astros, they felt inevitable, um, especially yeah. once you saw those N- NL juggernauts start dropping off. It was like the Astros are clearly the best team still remaining. But I liked them so much in the early part of the postseason because of the condensed schedule and the pitching depth that they had. Like they sure. would be the best equipped to ride this out. But the way it played out, they had so many breaks that they didn't really have to dig too far into that depth until they got to the World Series. Um, and that's when it really came through and and flipped flipped that series from that the time we talked last Wednesday um, mm-hmm. till the final result on Saturday night. Just really impressed with them. I, I, they're easy to hate because of the the stink of what happened in in 2017 and right and maybe some other years as well. But <laughs> you got to tip your cap. It's just a, a very well built club. I'm still concerned about what's going on with General Manager James Click. Yeah. You know, they announced this afternoon that Dusty Baker's extension for 2023 would be official, but Click's name was not on the press release at all. Very interesting. Um, owner Jim Crane said that he needs Click to come back from the GM meetings in Vegas to iron out where they stand. But it's like, is he at the GM meetings representing your club or is he there trying to find a new job? It's, <laughs> it's weird. I, 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 it's hard to tell the relationship between an owner and a GM because, you know, they don't talk to the media about it or they, they right. don't talk as much in general as like a manager or a player does. Um, so it, it's really hard to read the tea leaves on that situation, but nonetheless, uh, what they built there is, is incredible. And man, they've got a core that's just going to keep going like, and, and they can spend more money than they did last off season. It, sure. it was not like a top five payroll where they, they were like 10th, I think in payroll. Make, Give or take. Right, they were like just uh, just inside the top ten, I believe, in payroll. And so, you know, they can they can flex a, a little cash this winter too to to shore up maybe center field. Um, you know, get some. Uh, they they've got a young pitching core. They're 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 set up for a lot of success. Sorry to your Mariners. That's going to be a tough yeah. climb there in the in the American League West. I honestly, Derry Depoto should be working on trading the Seattle Mariners to the NL Central because there is <laughs> something like that, because that's the, the biggest issue right now or any other division, really, because 
Like I would put that team, it would not shock me at all if the Seattle Mariners had the second best record in the American League and finished second in the division by a substantial margin. They do have some holes and we can talk about the fact that they do have Justin Verlander will be a free agent. And, um, but I think that's really interesting. An important question since you brought up cash. Do you guys believe that Mattress Mac actually lost money on his $75 million bet? <laughs> I don't know how those things all work. I, I'm, yeah. I've, I've read a little bit into it like in the yeah. past, and I know it's all sure. insured in, yeah. to a level where yeah. he never really loses money. It's just free marketing. Right. Um, and, and the money that he does lose, I'm sure he makes up just – Nice. I, th- I think he's doing. Okay. He becomes a national, even global story, and for like a guy that owns, I don't know if they have one location or multiple locations, but for just like a mattress store guy, like I buy my mattresses online. Like I, I don't even yeah. who, who goes to a mattress store? <laughs> not, not many people. No. I mean. no, no. That that no. is why I, I there is a location where I live. Uh, near where I live anyway, that has been like 14 different furniture stores because yeah. I think they just, That's it is it not a, yeah, yeah it is I've not. always thought they were like a front for something. Yeah. Um, yeah. People, people are saying, people are saying. <laughs> and you by the way, Punch Drunk Love one time and all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. Um, but uh, by the yeah. way, Chris, you, you offered to trade uh, the Mariners to the National League Central or was it the American League Central? I said National League Central. Okay. Well, you can have Corbin you. Burns and Brandon <laughs> and uh, O'Neill Cruz, and we'll take the we'll take the Mariners. That's that's totally fair. Um, okay, thank you. Let's let's so let's so let's take a look at this offseason when we already had a pretty big move. Edwin Diaz is staying with DJ's New York Mets, five years, one hundred and two million dollars. Diaz, obviously, one of the best closers in baseball, but this is the first time a reliever has gotten that nine-figure contract. Um, we'll have DJ go last on this one, but Drew, just your thoughts on Edwin Diaz and your thoughts on that contract and what it means for 2023 and beyond. Makes a lot of sense for a, a team that seems to have an unlimited payroll. The year sure. that he came off showed a lot more consistency than he has sometimes there in Queens. And for me personally, like it's nice when closer situations are set before we have to submit our profiles for the the annual magazine that we write um, because often they are not and so it's nice to have that one locked in and (laughs) yeah you know you can do an early fantasy draft and you know that diaz should probably be the top pitcher the top reliever off the board or at least you know one of the top two or three yeah Um, so I, i like it in that aspect and i think it's it just makes sense it's a lot of money for uh, a reliever, but he is younger than people probably think because he, he he debuted at a relatively young age and right he's dominant and I expect him to be that. Maybe the back end of the deal doesn't look so hot. He could blow out his arm at any point, but um, from where we stand right now, it, it makes sense for for a team that has that large of a payroll. And also, the Mets basically have to rebuild their entire pitching staff, both rotation and bullpen um, this winter. Uh, in addition to Diaz. Adam Adovino is a free agent, Seth Lugo, Trevor May, um, and basically like three of their starters are in free agency now too. Uh, and maybe four if they decline the option on Carrasco. So I think re-signing Diaz was the A number one priority, which you know shows in what happened here. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to get that out of the way, I mean, because if you look in free agency, we'll get more into the, the free agents in a little bit. But really the alternatives there, if it wasn't Diaz, there's Kenley Jansen. There's, uh, I believe, Robert Suarez opted out of his contract with the Padres, right? There's Craig Kimbrell. 
you know, it, it's not a pretty list. So right. I think that was a must for the Mets and, and, and to get out there, get it done quickly before the, the market even officially opens. I think that's a huge sigh of relief for, again, this is a team that's going to be making a lot of changes this offseason. For sure. And I think getting him done early was important too. Like just yeah. getting that out of the way for the reasons that you just said. I will point out like with Edwin Diaz, who I've gotten a chance to watch an awful lot since he started with the Mariners. I guess they, he was traded to the Mets. I, it was a deal of some sort. I, I don't think it was oh, talked about very much. under the radar. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting looking at him. I'm just looking at his baseball reference page now. And this is the ERA plus by year. 146, 128, 208, 74, 246, 117, 297. So Edwin Diaz does have a little bit of a Brett Saberhagen thing going on here. For those of you who are uh, too young to get that reference or maybe too old to get that reference. Um, Saberhagen was a guy who every other year seemed to dominate and then every other year, not so much. Now, obviously, an ERA of one, plus of 117 is far from bad. And reliever ERA always has to be taken with um, a, a, a big heaping thing of salt because it just takes one bad outing for your ERA to be uh, you know what it for the entire year, but I think it was a really solid signing and who cares about the five year thing? Honestly, like the, the New York Mets are going to be just fine. Stephen Cohen is going to be just fine. I would much rather overpay Edwin Diaz in 2028 or whenever the heck that deal dies than not have Edwin Diaz. If that's what it takes to get an absolutely elite closer signed, you got to do it. And the other thing about that deal, there's an opt-out after the third season. Right. Um, who knows? You know, anything could happen in the next three years. He sure. could be hurt. He could be terrible, whatever. But if, let's say he keeps going and he's just as dominant, there's a chance he'll opt out. And if that happens, I think both sides should be happy with the outcome of that deal. Yeah. That's usually what, what an opt-out entails if the player yes. takes it. So, you know, let's just... Worry about it down the road. You shouldn't be worried about five years from now. Uh, it's about what the Mets look like in 2023. And at least they have a name they can rely on at the end of games. Um, and that's in place going into the offseason. Okay, so let's go over some dates real quick. So free agents, open the official market opens on Thursday. That is also the deadline for option decisions and qualifying offers from teams. Uh, next Tuesday is the day that teams have to set 40-man rosters before the Rule 5 draft. It's actually a big one this year. There are several top 10 prospects that need to be added to rosters, uh, especially the Tampa Bay Rays have a bunch of guys that they're going to make have to make tough decisions. Uh, next Friday is the non-tender deadline day. So those players that teams don't want to pay, that would be the day for that. And then Sunday, November 20th is deadline for qualifying offer free agents to decide whether to accept or decline. So we have educated you. There is no excuse to get this wrong. We will have a quiz that we post on Roto World to make sure that you have all of the uh, correct information. Um, I think this market has to start with Aaron Judge because I, I looked it up and there have not been a lot of guys who have hit 62 home runs and then <laughs> hit the free agent market. It just doesn't seem to happen very often. Yeah. Um, but I think this is a really interesting class. And I recommend everybody go check out Matthew Poliot's top 111 free agent list. Just Google that or search for it in our Roto World app. It's fantastic information and it's a great breakdown of where we could be seeing some guys go in some rankings as well. But I'm pretty intrigued by this class. Are you guys? Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. pretty stacked. Pretty stacked. 
it's stacked and it's it's deep, man. I mean, the the shortstop class last winter was excellent. The shortstop mm-hmm. class this year is excellent. There aren't a ton of like outfielders, and there's a, a lot yeah. of teams that need outfield help. Uh, the catcher market is pretty thin outside of Wilson Contreras. Um, I'm expecting a lot of trades too. I think it's going to be a wild off season. Because if you remember last year, after December first, baseball went into a shutdown oh, until did, did it? March seventeenth or when? I don't even know when the lockout was lifted. That. This let's 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 just all forget about it. Actually, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm fine with that. But yeah, there's there's a lot of high end talent here, and uh, there's going to be big dollars being thrown around. I feel like and baseball had a very healthy year financially. I think Rob Manfred said eleven billion dollars in, in total revenue. Uh, there are teams that are ready to take a step forward. I'm all the talk from the GM meetings, like, you know, the, the reds, the pirates, Oh, we're going to, the Cubs, those are just NL central teams. We're going to spend, like we're ready to, to turn the tide on this. And a lot of that is GM speak. And we'll see. Sure. um, There are teams in that position that have, you know, been tanking or rebuilding for a couple of years and feel like they got to make the move at some, you can't tank forever unless I guess you're the pirates, but uh, even they feel like they have the young talent to now actually go spend some money. Yeah, and the other thing about the tanking is like it's not even a really effective strategy anymore because of the draft lottery. Mm. If you have the worst record, you can't like do what the Nationals did back when they got Strasburg and Harper back to back years. Like that is the thing of the past. I mean, you may have a higher percentage if you had the worst record, but as we know in the NBA, it doesn't always work out that way. New York Knicks. Except the one year they got Patrick Ewing, which yeah. was a total fraud. Which, by the way, speaking of Patrick Ewing, the headline that just kind of almost broke my heart, because I loved Georgetown basketball as a kid, uh, Georgetown broke a 21-game losing streak last Ooh. night against Coppin State in overtime. That's, That's wild. so weird. That, I, so it's weird. so odd, because like I think everybody loved watching like Allen Iverson and uh, Alonzo Mourning, if you're old enough, uh-huh. and and those guys play at Jeff Green even at, at Georgetown. Those were such fun teams. It is yeah. very odd to see them where they are. I'm um, just looking at the top five free agents on Pulleyot's list right here. We've got Aaron Judge, of course, which we just talked about. Uh, Carlos Correa at number two. Trey Turner three. Uh, Xander Bogarts at four, and Jacob Degrom at five. So we're all big fans of uh, teams here, especially me for my grandma. Everybody should be rooting for the Mariners for my grandma. If Drew and DJ, I'm sure they have nice family members too. Um, <laughs> if you, I'll start with you, Drew. If you could have the Cardinals land any of those big five, which one would it be? I only get to pick one. You only get to pick one. <laughs> they have a huge hole at shortstop, and they had it last winter and didn't do anything about it. So um, – I mean, give me Trey Turner. He would be number two on if I were ranking these free agents. Yeah. Um, and and if you read through Matthew's explanations, I get why he has Korea too as well. But absolutely. Um. Yeah. I I would want Trey Turner as a guy you can plug in at leadoff and mm-hmm. just brings every element that you could ask for. He would be perfect. And I also want Judge and Degrom on the card, <laughs> okay. and, and, right. and Wilson Contreras to replace That's, Molina right. behind the plate. Oh, that would be amazing! Cub Great off-season plan. Such a Love fan. it. Yeah, yeah. It's not my uh, money. All done. All right, all right. Cool. DJ. Let's assume that Degrom actually does come back, which I actually think is going to happen. I, I don't know why, but I, I just think that's going to be something that takes place. But of those big four, then uh, is there anybody you'd like to see the Mets bring in? I mean. 
I don't see why the Mets wouldn't be in on Aaron Judge. Sure. I, why not? Well, you know because I mean? they like, don't want to break the friendship between the Yankees oh, and the of Mets. Of course. Yeah, we don't, we don't want a, to. <laughs> a long-standing friendship between the Mets and the Yankees for a long time. But, yeah. I mean, Brandon Nimmo's a free agent. Starling Marte could play center field. Sure. I mean, if you're – the thing about DeGrom is, like, it's going to cost a lot of money to keep him. There's the injury history there. Yeah. If I had my choice between DeGrom and Judge, I would take Aaron Judge. And I don't think their yearly salaries are going to be – that different obviously it's going to be you have to give eight years to Aaron Judge probably but the AAV is probably not going to be that different Um, I would imagine not yeah so for me I mean I'd rather have Judge plus I think the Mets need need more power in their lineup anyways I I just I I want Jacob DeGrom back but it's obvious that there's a huge risk associated with him at this point no, there's no question about it. I mean, that is the thing. Is is Aaron Judge going to be able to handle playing 135 or so games for an eight-year contract? It'll be very he, – he hasn't really shown that he could do it. Now, he stayed healthy all year, and look what happened when he did. And I think people forget that he was really good in 2021 as well, a six-win player that year. He's been worth 16 wins over the last couple of seasons. Uh, for my Mariners – I want Xander Bogarts so bad. I think he makes so much sense for them. Um, I think that Xander Bogarts, a lot of people I think are pointing towards him returning to Boston. I don't think people realize just how bad that low ball offer was and just how far apart apparently those camps are. My son, JP Crawford, I love you, but you got to move to second base. You were a really bad defensive player. And I think defense at second base is going to matter a whole heck of a lot more yeah. going forward. But I also think Dansby Swanson would be a great fit for Seattle. Carlos Correa would be a great fit, but a weird thing to see, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. Honestly, yeah. uh, it would almost it wouldn't be quite as weird as Carlos Correa signing with the Yankees, but it would be pretty close just because they've played so many games against each other and built a little bit of a rivalry. Is there any uh, free agent that you guys think isn't getting talked about enough as being a kind of a big name that I think could get a big contract? I'll just say for me, Carlos Rodon, I think is going to be fascinating because he was incredible last year. And in his somewhat limited time in 2021, um, he was also really good in that year as well but is going to be a really fascinating case just because of the fact that he's already 30 years old. Poliat predicts a three-year, $93 million contract. I think that sounds about right. Um, but uh, on top of Rodon, if you guys want to talk about him, great. Are there any other free agents that come to mind like that? I, th- I, mean, I think Chris Bassett's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's forever been one of the more underrated starters. And he had c- kind of an up-and-down season with the Mets and – uh, but a really good season overall. There wasn't like much to poke holes at there. There are a couple of Japanese or Japanese and Korean players that right. I'm I'm still learning about honestly. Like I, yeah. So so those would like naturally be flying under the radar because not many casual or even people who get paid to write about baseball know a ton about them. Right. Um, and I'll, we'll hear more about those names. They usually kind of lag behind free agency because you have the posting process. But um. I don't know. Does Clayton Kershaw like finally step away from Los Angeles? There was talk of him going to Texas last Texas, year. Yeah. He had a really good season when he was healthy. Maybe he'll get you know, a multi-year contract. Like it was kind of surprising to me that what he had to settle for last winter. Um, so just Josh Bell, like he he wasn't great in San Diego, but there are a yeah. lot of teams, even those teams that I was talking about that want to shift from rebuilder to contender. 
a lot of them need help, like in the first base DH department. Um, and he's going to be one of the better ones available there. There are going to be bargain buys for those types, but um, he stands out to me as well. So yeah. real quick uh, on Senga, just because I've talked yeah. to some scouts about <clears> him. <throat> kind of profiles more as a mid-rotation guy than an ace, but might have a higher floor than some of the other uh, Japanese pitchers that have come over. Um, most of those guys are high ceiling type of guys like Hideo mm-hmm. Nomo and those type of guys or Shohei Otani. Um, but he's more of a mid rotation guy. And then uh, the other guy whose name I of course just forgot right now uh, that is interesting on the, uh, Masataka Yoshida yeah. also interesting, but again, not a, this is not a future superstar type of guy. Like these are not uh, guys that I think are going to be setting the world on fire when they come over. They're certainly interesting and certainly guys that you're going to want to roster, but it's worth pointing out Senga's already 30. Yoshida turned 29, I believe this year. So these are also not like young guys that are going to be entering the system, uh, but certainly interesting. Do you guys have a, um, I don't know what the right term is like international players. How concerned do you become about that adjustment that you've made? Because I think we've seen, such a wide variety of outcomes with guys. Heck, we saw it with Seiya Suzuki. We saw yeah. him be as good as it gets for at portions of the year and really struggle. Um, what, what are you guys' takes on those type of players? There's always a question about how it'll translate, even after right. you see sure. Otani come over and all the success that he's, he's had. Okay. And Tanaka you know, was, was good, but not as good as maybe people thought he could be. I don't know how much of that was due to the elbow or, right. or what. But I think there's always a question. I think obviously Shohei Otani is a special yeah. case, and he yeah. you can't. Maybe that's just one of the things. It's like when we see Acuna and Tatis come up, and any team brings up a prospect, and you have these high expectations. I think right. that's that's going to happen for these these players who are stars over in Japan. They come over here. I think there's going to be some really high expectations. Uh, Seiya Suzuki is kind of fit in there, like like what you're saying. So there's, there's always a question about that. And I don't think that's going to change this off season. I think the, the interesting question with uh, Yoshida is he's going through the posting process while uh, Kode Senga is an international free, free agent. So they're kind of a little point. different, different situations. Teams will have to bid to actually uh, negotiate with Yoshida. So a little, little different situation. And there's also a timetable associated with that. I think there's like a 30 day window uh, for teams to submit bids. So those processes will be uh, handled a little bit differently, but definitely worth keeping an eye on that. I think we've learned that there's no blanket way to say, no. oh, does the KBO translate? This is how it yeah. translates. Like It's case by case. And yeah. we should know that with, as you said, the way that prospect we evaluate prospects when they first come up. Yep. You know, it, it's a different thing for every different player, and you kind of just got to see how it plays out. I don't think even like major league scouts really know how to how to project numbers for a given player. Like, there's no, there's just there's like no blueprint for it, and we'll we'll see. Honestly, like it's it's a boring answer, but no one has the answer. So we like to focus on the free agency because you know that's right in front of us, and we know it's going to be happening. But every year there's a bunch of trades that are just as interesting as the free agent signings, if not more so. Um, of course, we did get word that the Angels have said no to dealing Shohei Otani. We have heard no's before. There may have been a certain outfielder for the Washington Nationals that we heard a bunch of no's for that ended up getting moved. Wouldn't completely rule it out. But there's guys 
like Sean Murphy and Brian Reynolds and those type of guys who are going to be uh, trade candidates. Drew, is there anybody who really stands out to you as uh, a player that could be changing teams that could make a big impact next year? Well, maybe it's not all that exciting, but I think Sean Murphy of the A's. Like, yes. Uh, I think he's going to go, and I think the A's are going to do pretty well there. Like He had a huge season from a wins above replacement standpoint. Mm-hmm. And as I said at the top of the show, beyond Wilson Contreras, there's not a lot there for no. on the catching market. Um, in the same vein, I think the Blue Jays, they've already yeah. come out and kind of said, or reporters have come out and said that you know, they have three catchers, if not four catchers, and they're going to trade one. Right. Uh, Danny Jansen seems like the most likely player to go because he's had trouble staying on the field. But when healthy over the last couple of years, he's been really effective. Um, you could go down the whole A's roster, honestly, back to, <laughs> to Oakland. Like I talked about there's some teams that want to, you know, transition into semi-contender from rebuilding mm, mode. I, it's going to get worse in Oakland before yeah. it gets better. So you could look down their entire roster. Ramon Laureano could certainly go. We've heard his name pop up in trade rumors for years. And then, you know, Cole Irvin, Paul Blackburn, um, you know, go go to the bullpen, Zach Jackson, A.J. Puck, Danny Jimenez. Like, I, I, I would suspect that anyone, any team that, that brings an offer to the table for the A's, they're going to listen and probably pull the trigger on whatever the best offer is yeah and i feel like the a's have like two or three catchers who are yeah. pretty close so yes you know they could they could deal from this excess to uh to get a you know good good package whether it's pitching or any other type of position player um i think the marlins are a team to watch with pablo lopez mm-hmm. as he gets more expensive lopez was mentioned around the trade deadline as as a possibility to be traded it seems like they're going to revisit that uh, this winter and kind of thinking about teams that match up. Well, I think the Orioles match up well uh, for the Marlins and Pablo sure. Lopez because they have a lot of position player talent in their system, uh, which could be useful for the Marlins who, you know, have struggled to develop that for the most part. Um, so I think the Orioles are a team to watch because the Orioles are a team who should be spending money this winter, whether they will, I really don't know but they should be. So hopefully this is a a step in that direction, but they're a team I'd watch for Lopez. Yeah. I think that's a really good call. They, they definitely, that contention window begins now. It really kind of began a little bit last year. And I was so disappointed with what they did at the trade deadline, even though it's worth pointing out Jorge Lopez was not good after that deal, but it would have been, it would have been really fun to see Baltimore a little more into this thing. Um, Just because he's kind of close to, uh, especially where I'm at, I think Jesse Winker is a really fascinating by low mm. candidate who is probably the most guaranteed player to be traded on this list because yeah. it's bad. Bridge burnt real bad, <laughs> real, real bad. Um, just did not uh, end up working out. And a guy who, you know, drew 84 walks, which is an impressive number, especially for a guy who ended up missing injury time, but just did not hit for average or hit for power at all. And the metrics suggest that he was, a little unlucky in the power category and a little unlucky in the average category as well. It's if you play all year, you have, and you hit 218, there's at least a little bit of bad luck in that type of situation. But I think he's a really interesting buy low candidate because look, this guy was in a, not an elite, but a very, very good offensive player for Cincinnati uh, over those past few years. And I think he needs to be a designated hitter wherever he goes because he's one of the worst defensive outfielders I've watched with my two eyes. He literally cannot get in front of a baseball. It's very odd to watch. But 
There is no doubt about his offensive ability. I think a team like the Twins makes a lot of sense for Jesse Winker, um, a guy that you can hit second and, you know, he, at the very least, he's going to get on base. That is one thing that he's definitely proven that he can do. But, uh, yeah, and I'll say this too, and I'll ask your guys' quick take on this one before we get into the draft. Rafi Devers, apparently extremely far apart. Now, after the Mookie Betts thing, I kind of wonder if Boston would be like, should we really do this? Should we? Is this really something – if they're that far apart and somebody's offering an elite package for Rafi Devers, I think that could be one of the big – and we always have it every year. We have that big surprise name that ends up getting dealt. Um, I think that's one of the names that you got to at least keep an eye on. If, if they don't bring back Bogarts, yeah, it's clear it's that faster. they're – Yeah, I mean, they. I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're in a tough spot. Maybe that's they why are. they're selling Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point like yeah. it's it's just a, it's a weird kind of transition period it feels like in boston and they've been very good at that in the past but i don't they're they're in a they're in a tough spot yeah yeah i, I mean why why not why trade mookie bets if you don't keep yeah Raphael Devers? Uh, so that's a great question and uh, that's why it's these reports and it's from numerous people that they are just super far apart on anything getting done. I wow. think that the Red Sox, the Austin Riley thing really screwed things up for them because they were offering him a contract well below what Austin Riley got. And all due respect to Austin Riley, well, maybe one of us took him in this 30-player th- draft. Rafi Devers is going to get a bigger contract than Austin Riley. He just oh, yeah. uh, that, that's, yeah. that's just naturally going to happen. So it'll be really interesting to see um, – Part of me kind of wants it to happen. I would just, I think it would be really chaotic to see to see that happen. But for fans of the Red Sox, I totally understand why uh, you're cursing my name right now. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Uh, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. Uh, the contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win 
thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, on the PGA Tour, and in Premier League. There is also 100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Chargers and 49ers in our Sunday Night 7 contest. So, let's draft. Let's take a look. This was a lot of fun to do. I will tell you that we did this draft uh, online, and I want to give a shout-out to Drew Silva. You only screwed up once. Can we just... <laughs> Can we just give Ooh. a nice clap? Ooh. Just only screwed up one time. They only took one player that had already been selected. Um, so this draft, it's te- we did ten rounds. We did uh, uh, a pick per person. We did we did not do serpentine. We just went through an order um, with the first pick. Mister Drew Silva had the first pick. He took Trey Turner and Drew. Was that obvious did you debate some other players or was that just as soon as you got the first pick that's the guy you knew you were taking no i I debated a lot of different players and you know there's a a lot of group think in fantasy baseball and maybe by the time next spring rolls around we'll kind of the industry will have settled on who should be number one but sure i don't maybe not this year or next year i i I don't know if there there is going to be a consensus number one uh turner feels really safe like the floor there is five category stud high floor um, high ceiling yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know if like the ceiling is super high like he's not going to be a f- 35 homer hitter uh, but what you get as a baseline and you know he's a free agent he could go anywhere but i'm pretty sure he's going to land somewhere that's going to have a lot of you know, talent in the supporting cast and sure. he's going to hit at the top of the lineup and maybe he in, moves to a better hitting environment, like ballpark wise. And um, we've got a balanced schedule next year. So that, that, that kind of adjusts your expectations, but I don't want to take too much time. Trey Turner was just, he's a five category stud at his like lowest. And so lock him. Yeah. Up. Yeah. I mean, I, it was the person I would have taken, uh, so number two was pick me, and this was hard. I'm not going to lie to you. This was really difficult, but I ended up going with Jose Ramirez just because of basically the stuff Drew just said. I like the floor of Jose Ramirez, I and I know that there's ceiling there as well. I'm a little concerned that the stolen bases are going to be mm-hmm. not as prolific going forward, but I like at least one more year of him being a 30 to 20, 30 homer, 25 stolen base guy who hits for average. Drove in a bunch of runs this year, too, and I'll be interested to see if he can keep that going forward. But, DJ, you broke my heart with the third pick, Mr. Julio. I thought you were going to go here at two, man. So here's the thing. I thought that, too. I debated it super hard, and I thought, oh, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to call me a homer for taking this guy with the second pick. That's what's going to happen. I was going to take him number one, and then I was like, I'll just let Chris have him at two. (laughs) I mean, let's just talk about the unbelievable ceiling, DJ, of Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean, you look at what he did in his rookie season, 28 homers, 25 steals in just 132 games. Like he he just hit the ground running. So you think about what he could do over a full season. Um, I mean, he's he could be 40-40. I mean, he could yeah. be. It doesn't mean he will be, but like no. he has that in him. Someday he'll do it. I guarantee it. Someday he will be it. Ooh. Right. So, I, I mean, I don't think it's crazy if he went number one, but no. Um, I don't think Jose Ramirez at two is crazy either. You know, he did have the thumb surgery. Yes. Which impacted his production in the second half. So him coming back, you know, a hundred percent, I think you should feel good about that going into next year. But yeah, I mean, I think Julio Rodriguez is going to be the first pick in a lot of leagues based off of, yeah. I mean, just what he did right out of the gate here right. and not a full season. Um, my expectations would be a 30, 30 season, but there's, there's more, there's yeah. ceiling there basically. 
Plus, have you seen that guy's eyes? Like that guy, that that guy, he's he is everything baseball should be. Like I am yeah. super biased getting to watch the guy, but I am just such a big J Rod fan in it. And we're gonna we're, we'll publish these and we'll reverse it. I took Julio Rodriguez with the second pick. <laughs> uh, with picks four, five, and six. I think this was really interesting. So Drew took Aaron Judge. I took Ronald Acuna Jr. And DJ took Juan Soto. I think the order of these can be really debated pretty interestingly. I think Aaron Judge at four is something that's easy to uh, to justify as after his 62 yeah. homers. And as, he also the, stole yeah a bunch of bases. He but He could have yeah. gone higher, too. I mean, I he, had 20, he yeah. had 20 more home runs than anybody else. Sure. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. But, right. I mean, stealing 30 bases is, is a big advantage, too. But I think yeah. it's an interesting debate. No. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, me taking Acuna Jr. there is a bet on this being the power just being sapped from that awful injury and believing that he's going to still be able to run and um, still be that five category player. And Juan Soto, Juan Soto is really interesting to me because of the fact that that shift is going away. I'm really going to be curious to see how teams pitch him. I think he could be a even higher on base percentage guy just because of the fact that you are not going to have the ability to shift that guy as high as as much as you want. In fact, technically not at all. It'll be interesting to see how much we'll see two outfield and that somebody playing in that spot anyway. But I think that's a really interesting uh, case between those guys because I think all three of those guys, you could even argue as being the guys who finished number one next year. Yeah, um, I think the order is really fascinating there. Yeah, me too. I I, I picked Soto. I was debating between Soto, Tucker, and Betts, right. and Wit, and Wit. Like I think there's a case for Bobby Witt Jr. too. So that was not an easy call, but I do think Soto. It's just, I don't think it's, it's very reasonable to think he's going to go back to being the best hitter in baseball. Yeah, um, settled in for a full year in San Diego, um, getting Tatis back to sort of lengthen that lineup. Um, you know, certainly I think he'll begin next year in better position than he was with the nationals going into this year where basically he had to do everything. So uh, speaking of those names, you just mentioned, that's the bottom of our first round. Basically, if we're doing a, let's assume we're in a, a 10 team league for this. Uh, Kyle Tucker goes with the seventh pick. Mookie Betts goes with the eighth pick. Jordan Alvarez with the ninth pick. And then Drew, you take Bobby Witt Jr. With that 10th pick. And I certainly think it's again, very easy to justify based on his rookie season particularly considering how bad he was at the start of the season, the adjustments he makes, but that's a, that is putting a lot of um, pressure on this young fella, uh, Bobby Wood jr. You think he's can be a top 10 player this year. Well, I'm glad DJ, you said that you were also considering him oh, yeah. that high because yeah, it felt a little weird to click on that, that name because um, he wasn't even a top three finalist finalist for AL rookie of the year, but Man, you you look at the counting stats, 20 home runs, 30 stolen bases, 80 RBIs, 82 runs scored mm-hmm. over his first 150 major league games. And that's while he had a 294 on base percentage, a yeah. 254 batting average. Um, you can just kind of look at that stat line, look at his age. He's still 21, isn't he? Right. Or maybe yeah. maybe he just turned 20. Just yeah, he doesn't even turn 20. He, he doesn't turn 22 until next June. Wow. Um, so, all right. If he gets on base a little bit more, hits for a little bit more contact, 
loses a little swing and miss like the the sky is the limit for what he can be as a fantasy asset the royals in general are kind of in a weird spot like maybe they're actually well they they've kind of already already started with finally trading Whit Merrifield for pennies on the dollar right um like we'll see i doubt they're going to add a ton over the winter um yeah. so he he might be kind of hurting for a little help in that lineup but him personally um he can be he can be a number one overall pick if he just gets on base a little, if he, if that batting line just improves to the level that the counting stats showed it as a rookie. Yeah, absolutely. My concern with wit is more long-term. The fact that he, I'm not going to guarantee it. I think there might be a move to the outfield coming and that's going to, I think, play a little bit of a fact. He was a very, very poor defensive player last year, like very poor. And if you look at the metrics, one of the worst infielders actually in baseball. And that's a reason why, even with those impressive numbers, he ended up with a a fairly low war, which probably hurt his rookie of the year chances quite a bit. But there's an awful lot to like about his offensive upside. As, as, as high of an offensive upside, I think, in fantasy as anyone maybe outside of Julio. Um, starting with the second part of our draft at 11 i took vladimir guerrero jr i am a big believer in that bat and will be forever i believe there's a huge bounce back coming um have looked at some other advanced metrics that suggest that he is going to be undervalued obviously at 11 i can't take the risk there 12 freddie freeman who was the other person i was debating in that pick and then we get some pitchers finally corbin burns goes 13th but was shed sandwiched between garrett cole um DJ, were you planning to take Cole as the first pitcher, or would you have taken Burns if he was still there at 15? I would have taken Burns just because of the division. Um, I think the NL Central is a big advantage for for pitchers, even still going into next season. Obviously, the AL East can be problematic, and you know we've seen that with Garrett Cole. He'll he'll sure. have his days where you know he'll get blasted a little bit, but we know he's going to throw 200 innings, strike out 230 plus batters, probably win a lot of games for the Yankees. So. It, I feel he feels pretty safe if you don't get Burns, but I think Burns uh, is definitely at the top of the list for now. Yeah, yeah. In, in these like way too early mock drafts, a lot of times the pitchers go real late because it's more fun when it doesn't matter and you're just kind of trying to create content to just go with position players because sure, it's hard to debate pitchers at this point in the year, but um, yeah, I think. We'll see next spring, but I think Burns is going to be a consensus number one because he showed he's already showed that, you know, what he did in, in 2020 and 2021 was no fluke. He even he just further built on it, got to 200 innings um, and the strikeouts. The strikeouts actually came down a little, but um, I'm not worried about that. Like DJ said, I think you can lock him in to be among the league leaders in that category. And the ERA is going to be good and he's going to win a lot of games. Again, like the yeah, the, there's gonna we have a balanced schedule next year. He doesn't get to face the Pirates a ton, and and the Reds a ton, and even the Cardinals offense a ton. Um, and the Cubs are are not going to be good, uh, but he still does get to face those teams, and he's in a very comfortable spot there with with the Brewers. And yeah, I think he should be the consensus number one starting pitcher. I agree with that as well. Uh, Mike Trout goes 16th. Bryce Harper goes 17th. Austin Riley goes 18th. I think that's a really interesting turn right there in what was basically our sixth round. Mike Trout was excellent this year. Unfortunately, his fantasy value because of the stolen base stuff is dropping, and you have to deal with some health stuff as well. But a bunch of homers slugged over 600, I believe, on the season, which is pretty darn good for a, a player. Bryce Harper 
Also an injury guy who I thought was very good and pressed in the postseason. We always seem to give the postseason bump, but I do believe that Bryce Harper is a player that I honestly considered in the first round. I, I think yep. Bryce Harper's skill set is really impressive. Um, it will be interesting to see in some leagues, Bryce Harper may not have outfield eligibility to begin the year. So that because of the injury that he had, uh, depending on what type of league you play in, there is a chance that Bryce Harper will not have eligibility there. I think the Austin Riley pick is really interesting at 18, DJ. Talk about your process there. Yeah, I, w- I was honestly debating between, you know, who went next year. 19 was Manny Machado. Devers was 20 after mm-hmm. I picked Riley at 18. So third base run. Yeah, third base and after run, that, yeah. after that, it gets a little, little murky. I mean, I know Nolan Arenado's out there and all that sure. stuff. But yeah. Uh, yeah, with Riley, I think there's just the most uh, ceiling. Uh, Riley is a guy who you could easily see hitting 45 home runs. I I don't see that happening with either of those guys. I think there's probably the safer floor, perhaps, with Machado and and Devers. Sure. But I was shooting for the upside in a lineup with the the Braves lineup when when they get Ozzy Albies back and Acuna is at 100% and Matt Mm -hmm. Olsen gets another year in Atlanta. Maybe they add an outfielder there and do some damage. That Braves lineup is – I mean, it's already good this year, but it could be even better Mm -hmm. next year. So – uh, yeah, I think Riley could hit 40 homers and drive in 120 runs, if not next year. It's going to happen at some point. Did you? Would you have debated Riley there, uh, Drew, if he was there instead of Machado? Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to say looking back on it, but sure. But yeah, I mean, I, I think those three third basemen. It's kind of perfect that they all came came off <laughs> the right. board in order. Yeah, Maradona did not get picked in this 30, right? No, he didn't. No, yeah. he did not. Um, yeah, I mean, all you know, fairly solid floors, and I I would agree that I think Riley has the highest ceiling. Yeah, um, because of the age and the lineup around him, like you know, Devers might be in trouble from like a supporting cast standpoint. That's um, a great going point. Going into next season, Machado's just super solid, and he's probably you know, if you want to place an early prop on a guy to to lead the league in RBIs, like he would be a, a pretty good play. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I got nothing else to add on, on that point. No, no. It's that's a, a totally fair. I I was going to take Devers over those guys, but I think you guys make a great point about the supporting cast and just the fact that like it's time to. It's funny. There was a bunch of people who were talking about Austin Riley and not believing in that for a second year guy, and I I got it because of how much he struggled, especially for hitting for average. But this is clearly a different player and a guy I think that you can consider near the top of the second round for sure uh, going forward. Speaking of Machado, let's go into our uh, back end. Uh, Sandy Alcantara has nothing to do with Manny Machado, but he was off the board very early at 21 after his sensational, and I believe Cy Young season, uh, the polar bear Pete Alonso goes 22. And then at 23, Christopher Crawford selects Fernando Tatis Jr. Guys, did I take him too early? No, wow. I I was hoping one of you would so that you would have to talk about <laughs> <on this> show. Because <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of an obvious situation, right? Like he's had four surgeries since the last time we saw him on a on a major league field, maybe even more than that. Um, <laughs> like the, depends on how many motorcycles he's he's. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. So I but. He's still really young. Um, he's still still has the potential to 
you know, turn his career around. I wouldn't even, I shouldn't even phrase it that way, but like no. all he has all the tools to, to come right back. He can, he can be activated what April 27th or something. I think it's April 20th. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and be the best player in baseball or at least yeah. fantasy baseball the rest of the way. So you're going to miss like maybe two and a half weeks, three weeks. And then, you know, you got a, a guy that should have maybe gone number one overall, you got him in the in the third round. So yeah, that's that's the situation. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. To get him only missing a couple of weeks, like Drew said, like yeah, I don't know if as, you know as drafts get closer, I think that I think his name is going to move up. Yeah, I agree. I think so as well. And look, this is one of those things too, where like, thank you, Padres, for advancing as far as you did because you're uh, you basically took off a week of that suspension mm-hmm. yeah. because of of those new rules but i mean look i get that there's a ton of risk with that guy his upside is as good if not better than anybody and the fact that i do believe he'll have shortstop eligibility is big and the fact that i i'll be really curious to see what they do with him do you guys think he's going to be a shortstop next year or do you think he'll be in the outfield i think they're going to try him at shortstop again yeah. but uh it feels like it's too early to make the call. It's very early. And it'll, I think some of this will depend on on the shoulder rehab, probably on the shoulder rehab. And could, would it shock you guys if you saw the Padres be a player for one of these big four shortstops? I mean, it's not necessarily the first team that comes to mind, but the Padres are never the first team that comes to mind. And they seem to get every big player that seems to hit the market these days. Look, uh, maybe they could re, uh, (laughs) <laughs> changed the uh, outcome of that awful Trey Turner trade where they should have had Trey Turner in that right, team yeah. deal. Maybe they yeah. want to, they, they want to write the wrong of that. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see. I don't care if he's playing outfield shortstop, whatever he's I mean, definitely going. To I feel like Hassan Kim is a pretty good shortstop. Yeah. He's a solid defender. And I think he's shown some stuff with the bat as enough with the bat as well for me to say that we're good there. But I just cannot rule out the Padres for doing something big and dumb. And I, I wouldn't even call it dumb. I can't, I cannot rule it, rule out them doing something big and unexpected. I, I wonder if the Padres would consider putting a Tatis, at least initially at DH. I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe not every day in the field. No, and that, that would not, it, yeah, that would not surprise me. He no. is, he is exciting, but also reckless on the field. Like, That's what is the safer fair. option to be a center fielder or be shortstop? I, I really have no I idea. <laughs> I, I think you can make arguments. Honestly, yeah, you, you can make arguments for both, and it's going to because you're making a lot of dives with that as well. But you're running into a flipping the wall, wall when yeah. you're playing in the outfield. Yeah, probably so. center field. Yeah. So uh-huh. yeah, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to catch next year. Uh, Shane McClanahan <laughs> with the 24th pick. I was a little surprised by this one, DJ, and I again, it's easy to justify, but just because of how he looked necessarily in the second half um, compared to the first half, but I'm guessing you do not have the same concerns that I do, Mr. Short. I I mean, I do. I, I just think a full offseason of rest will, will do good for him. Um, I'm assuming health, he gets a jump in the workload. Um, you know, he's going to strike out over 200 batters. Um, hopefully, we'll get some wins, too. I don't think he did anything he did this year was uh, fluky or anything like that. The underlying metrics supported what he did. Right. Um, so I'm just hoping that an off season of rest, you know, gets him to hundred percent. It kind of picks up where he left off. Were you considering McClanahan uh, at that point before he got uh, taken Drew? 
I would have drafted him if he lasted to my next turn. Yeah. Next pick. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think that's where he belongs with the stuff, the strikeout potential. Um, and he's probably going to have to carry a big workload. Like the Rays are going to need that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that was the 25th pick was that you took Brandon Woodruff, which yeah. is the guy I probably would have taken to be completely honest with you. I, I just believe in his floor a little bit higher with the ceiling. Um, but I, I think it's an easy one to justify the order of those guys could be debated and, and certainly will be debated for a while. Uh, I took Shohei Otani at 26. It is worth pointing out that we're going by Yahoo rules. So he is a DH only in this. I'm still fine with having Shohei Otani. I honestly considered Shohei Otani the pitcher version as well uh, with a later pick, just because I don't think people realize just how good he was on the mound last year. Like there, the, the reason why he is a legitimate MVP candidate still to me is because he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. So if you can get him as both, I think we're talking about a much higher selection yeah, he would than be, 26. Yeah. Would yeah, he, he be, be in the top 10? No, yeah. top 10. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's, I think he's closer to top like three Five. or four for me. Yeah. yeah like yeah. I just, but there's no doubt about the risk too. Like we, there is always going to be risk with Shohei Otani because of that workload with being a hitter and as a pitcher, there is going to be uh, a ton of injury risk. Uh, rounding out our draft, we have Francisco Lindor goes 27th, Michael Harris 28th. I take Marcus Simeon 29th, and Dylan Cease goes with that last spot. Michael Harris at 28th, I think, is really interesting. And a guy I considered with several more picks, uh, Drew, I think you have to be pleased with the value there. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I'm, I'm probably not going to know what to do with him even next spring, but it felt right. like he should go top 30. It's Is he, is this kind of a Cedric Mullins situation? And, and Mullins had a, a, a solid year to, to back up his you know incredible yeah. breakout, but um, it, it kind of feels like it has similar – veins in it um but yeah 19 home runs 20 stolen bases and 114 games as a rookie might take home that nl rookie of the year if they don't give to spencer strider the batting average was 297 uh advanced metrics don't necessarily love his entire profile um they love his defense yes they 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 say that he runs fast um i don't know if he's going (laughs) to be a 20 homer hitter I don't know if you can count on that. I don't know if you can even count on the batting average or him getting on base at a, at a great clip, even with the speed. Um, but man, the raw tools and what he did as a first time major leaguer, I felt like I had, I had to grab him there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a great pick that the one Oh seven, the one Oh seven to 21 strikeout to walk ratio does concern me. That's yeah. um, a concern for a few players. I have like Jose Miranda and a few other guys, but for Harris, the talent is just so impressive. And Atlanta has done a great job of developing these type of players as well. Their their scouting system is outstanding. And they just seem to get the best of those type of guys. So if he goes show just like a semblance, more of an approach at the plate, I think he can be worth easily worth a second-round pick. And like in a dynasty draft, if you're doing a uh, start-over dynasty-type drafting, I think he'd be somebody I'd be considering with a first-round pick. The thing about Dansby Swanson, so um, when Ozzy Albies went down, Swanson moved up to the number two spot in the lineup and like really mm-hmm. found a home there. And from a fantasy perspective, I wrote this in our team roundups, like the volume that Swanson got 
from hitting second is really what propelled him to this kind of upper echelon of fantasy shortstops. Mm-hmm. But if he signs elsewhere, which is a possibility, you could maybe see Michael Harris going in the number two spot um, behind Acuna, um, you know, in front of Matt Olson and Austin Riley and uh, William Contreras and, or yeah, William Contreras and Darno, all those guys um, and all these when he, he's back and healthy. So like that could be a huge boost to, to Harris to get that volume at the top. I think it's worth watching the lineup spot for him, but yeah, if he can answer these questions about his approach and, Remember, he's still really young, so I'm sure he'll make progress in that area, but it may not happen overnight. That's the one concern I have about kind of where he is right now. Absolutely. Uh, Francisco Lindor and Marcus Simeon, I think, is an interesting one here. Um, I think Lindor is a guy that I think is going to go underrated in drafts after having a really solid season. And Marcus Simeon, if you take out that dreadful and dreadful doesn't even begin to describe how bad Marcus Simeon was over those first two months was an outstanding option there as well. Big difference here is of course, Marcus Simeon is only going to have second base eligibility, Francisco Lindor at shortstop. I think that those two are going to be drafted kind of right around each other uh, going forward. Would you guys agree? Yeah. And I don't think second base is such a bad thing. Second base is not great. Health is cool. So, yeah, and I mean, I guess who's Jose Altuve? I was kind of debating my last. I know, me too. Bet- oh, between yeah, in that area and Altuve, yeah. because the thing about Altuve is like he actually ran a bit this season, but mm-hmm. it's hard to really count on that continuing. So that was that was the separator for me between not only Altuve and uh, Dylan Cease, but also Lindor. Um, I just think that you know Lindor is younger. Uh, the Mets lineup should continue to be good. He's not going to hit for as high of an average as Altuve, but I know he's going to run. So that was the separator there for me is I just don't trust Altuve to necessarily steal double-digit bases again. My separation between Simeon and Altuve, and this was very scientific and I had to break it down. Uh, my <laughs> grandma hates Jose Altuve. Hates him with every fiber in her being, hates Jose Altuve. And if she found out she drafted him, you know, I, I probably wouldn't get any chocolate cream pie for Thanksgiving. And I find it hard to believe that your grandma hates anyone. Well, she really, she probably hate respects him. She just goes, "Ooh, that darn Altuve." She kind of, she kind of sounds like the uh, the meddling uh, kids in Scooby Doo. Oh, you darn Altuve! Now we that I believe, yeah. not for you, that type of thing. She, uh, yeah. she, she sent. But every once in a while, I get a text with a curse word with Altuve's name in it I, as well. So I, I yeah, it's. Uh, it's impressive. I, I probably should change autocorrect so those words change uh, to something <laughs> else. Uh, I do want to point out that uh, because I'm selfish and like talking about myself, I did not draft a pitcher this year, and I'm going to give you some numbers why. Okay, I'm going to read these in order. 51, 50, 25, 81, 6, 86, and 161. And those numbers I just read you are in order. The uh, stat line or finish in Yahoo in terms of points for pitchers. There's just too much value to be found in those later rounds for me to select somebody in the top 30 right now, unless you're getting a Corbin Burns or unless you're getting a um, Garrett Cole, I guess, or Sandy Alcantara. I just think there's too much depth in starting pitching right now, which is a weird thing to say um, based on like what we were talking about long-term. Do you think it's a huge mistake to come out of the top 30 picks without a pitcher though? 
Um, I think I would want one. Okay. However, I think one thing we're not talking about yet, which I know we will talk a lot about, is the pitch clock um, mm. that mm -hmm. is coming. Also, the you know the the shift you know changes, but I wonder what the pitch clock is going to do to these pitchers that are max effort um, yeah. with with every pitch that they throw. Um, that probably mo you know predominantly includes relievers, but because they can you know pitch in short bursts, but I think it will include some pitchers too, or starting pitchers as well. Sure. And I think that will impact the stat line by the end of the year. Yeah, it's an eternal fantasy baseball debate, and I don't really have a, a great answer for it. It's especially in a snake draft, you're kind of you gotta go with draft slot and it's like best player available. And sometimes for me that's a starting pitcher. If if you want to say that I don't know, you you've got to construct a roster that has all elements of you know the of the the stat categories that you need to win the league, and I I feel like I always come out of the first few round the first three rounds with at least one ace. I, that's just the way I like to build a fantasy sure. roster. Sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not. Like it depends on who you pick. It's right. case by case. Um, but I I understand, and and I've I've read a few articles already about. You know, people who I respect in this industry that are, are going to maybe fade pitchers more than they have in the past because of the pitch clock and, you know, because the return on investment has never really been there um, unless we're talking about like a few standout guys year to year. Yeah. And uh, we should add here, like there were a lot of pitchers who were not taken sure. here who are really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Max Scherzer. Jacob Julio Urias, Alec yeah. Manoa, all guys that I think you can consider. And that's, and that's partially, again, it's, and even the, the ranking of six I gave you, Shohei Otani, is misleading because he was not ranked the sixth best player um, as a hitter. That was just how he was ranked in that uh, list. Uh, is there one player in particular that you were surprised didn't get selected? I'll selfishly say, go first and say Paul Goldschmidt. I thought somebody would take him after that great year, but uh, anybody else surprised to see someone not drafted? I guess Arenado. Yeah. yeah, Arenado and Goldschmidt. People just hate the Cardinals, man. Well, it's an easy <laughs> team to hate. It is just a. No, I mean they're they're not getting any younger, and I, the Cardinals say they're going to boost the supporting cast this winter, but I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Sure, uh, I will say too. If there's somebody, and I'll ask you guys this as well. If there's somebody that we didn't draft that we think will go higher. And I'm not even going to say he's going to go in the top 30 to begin drafts next year, but I will say this. I would not be surprised if we, when we do our mid season drafts, if Wander Franco is somebody we're talking about in the top 30. And I just wanted to talk about how quickly we have kind of given up on this guy as an elite talent. I know he wasn't great last year. I think it was almost assuredly due to injury stuff. I think he's going to end up being a top 30 player. Is there anybody else who stands out like you for that? Stands out Luis, for you like Luis that? Robert. Luis yeah. Robert. Yeah, it's a great call. I was considering Robert uh, in w which slot, like pretty early on, honestly. And then he just kept dropping. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he hasn't really been very good. I mean, he, he was good, like for short stretches. He's had trouble staying on the field. Um, maybe the injury luck flips and he's becomes one of the best players in baseball, but it hasn't really happened. You know, the tools are there um, yeah. with Wander Franco. I'm, I'm buying the dip for sure. Like he's, I'm, 
I, I love that people aren't going to be talking about him as much. Yeah. Um, but I not in the top thirty. Like he just he's not there yet. I I can't take him there, but I'm I will make my prediction right now. He ends up finishing as a top thirty player because wow. I think he's going to be an, just an average king for a long time. There's so much talent there. I know the power was a little disconcerting. He actually ran a little bit more than I think people were expecting in that limited time, which was nice to see as well. Yep. But he is the best prospect that I've ever scouted. And I think we should be more impressed with what he's done over his first two years than disappointed. Um, a, a couple other players who didn't get drafted that I thought might get drafted. Adolis Garcia, uh, the player who came, I believe, the closest to a 30-30 season. If not, it was Julio. Um, Randy Rosarina, also a guy I think that would have been worth consideration. And then all of the pitchers that we mentioned as well. But uh, this was a fun exercise, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, just a, a fun way to wrap up the season here. And also, I think, gets our brains kind of churning for uh, a magazine that we're going to be writing uh, yes. that you'll be able to get in the early part of next year on on newsstands. Uh, as we start to, you know, the World Series is over, so now it's time to start to look ahead to next year. We will be looking ahead to next year, and this is a good reminder that um, the show is going to be taking a hiatus until February, except for we're going to do a show to recap the winter meetings December 4th through 7th. We will be doing something along those lines. Hopefully, we have lots of moves to talk about because we're going to be uh, very – it's going to be tough for us not to talk for a month, but uh, we'll be going back to our regular schedule in February. I just wanted to real quick – Thank everybody um, for listening to our shows when we were doing daily shows, when we switched to the weekly show, to the two shows a week, whatever. You guys have been there and it provided great feedback. And um, I think I speak for both of us that we just really can't appreciate it enough. Absolutely, man. Go Roto World. Go Cardinals. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks again for listening. Hit that five star button, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, whatever you have to do. Again, we really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, you can follow me at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. You can follow DJ at DJ Short. And you can follow Drew Silva at Drew Silva. So again, we'll talk to you guys in a month. Hopefully we have a bunch of free agent signings and trades to break down. Yes, please. But again, we really appreciate it. Hit us up on Twitter, especially Drew. Drew loves to answer questions. Um, he's really excited about the crack and winning five straight and realizes that his blues are going <laughs> Dude, absolutely no, nowhere no. and in a hurry. So, yes, that is the perfect <laughs> way to end the show with Drew upset. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everybody. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.